0: This is Rate of Change, a podcast from Duke University, dedicated to the ingenious ways that engineers are solving society's toughest problems. I'm Miranda Volborth, and I'm here with Ken Kingery in conversation with Duke's preeminent power couple. So, uh, I'm Ingrid Dobshi.
1: I'm Robert Calderbank.
0: If you work in math or physics or engineering, chances are you're already familiar with these names. If you're not... Suffice it to say that their work has influenced the way you communicate at a fundamental level. More on that in a bit. For the time being, we'll just say that these two are pretty famous, each in their own right. Ingrid, in fact, had a multi-page profile in the New York Times Magazine last year, titled The Godmother of the Digital Image, which featured a photo of the mathematician riding a bike across the parched Black Rock Desert at Burning Man we wanted to know a little bit more
2: it's it's known most i mean it's most infamous for for uh uh, drugs and and wild parties and all that and 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 sex cheats. and i'm interested in none of those but uh what i was really interested in was also hearing about the completely unbridled creativity that's uh, and that's really why I think it's a blast. I really, I love going there. I love seeing all the creative stuff, the art, all the, the, the weird ways in which people put things together and do things and, and enjoy what other people do. And I really, really, really like it. So. Uh, How many times would you say you've gone? I have gone four times so far. And, uh, and I intend to go again.
1: I think you have to have a certain comfort level with discomfort.
0: I think that's exactly right, and I so, think that I do not have that comfort level. I don't
1: have that comfort level either. I love to see the pictures. I, I'm enchanted yeah. by the um, by by the crazy vehicles. Yeah. Um, but all that grit, <laughs> I'm just. Uh, and also, I don't really like crowds. So. Same. Being in the middle of 50,000 people in the desert is not my thing.
2: Yeah, the first time I, I said, I, I want to go. Oh, don't you want to go? And Robert says, absolutely. He says, in the middle of the desert, he says, in August, in the hottest time of year. He says, uh, in, a bunch, in, in a bunch of uh, a wild crowd of crazies. Absolutely, he says, my dream vacation. I mean, <laughs> so, so that decided that I'm going by myself. I mean, uh, just, I am completely energized and exhilarated when I'm there, by everything I see. I mean, completely crazy things that you wouldn't expect. So one, one, one day, I got up very early. I, who am not a morning person, because I wanted to see the artwork at dawn. And so I'm bicycling through the mostly sleeping camp because most people have these parties, go to these late parties, and so are sleeping in the morning. And I go past the camp that was going to have a concert later, and they were doing a rehearsal. And they were singing uh, 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 music by Offenbach, but they were yodeling it. very well to Offenbach but I'd never heard that before and I had never thought of of that I would be by sleeping there and hearing people yodel to Offenbach at six in the morning. I mean it was absolutely crazy. These things happen all the time so I I really really
0: really like it. You feel like that kind of recharges you, carries you through? Oh absolutely
2: absolutely. I mean uh, just actually witnessing human creativity always recharges me. Seeing unexpected and, and creative things is is what I get a lot of my energy from, yes.
3: I'm, I'm just curious, do you have any sort of a artistic uh, inclination, or is that all Ingrid?
1: I think it's mostly all Ingrid. I mean, uh, although it's... Uh, I mean, I think the most artistic thing about me is handwriting. And um, oh. if you... Oh, you uh, have your journal with you? Oh, you.
2: So Robert has this collection. I mean, as long as I remember, he has a journal that he keeps. And Just open every, up. so you have one for every year. Oh, wow. And it, it has, has, has a summary of his technical ideas, but also of things that happened to yes. our, in our personal lives and, and so on. I think some, we, I met a historian who said, this is going to be a treasure trove <laughs> for some historian of science in the future. Certainly. I mean, and so yes, he, he has 30 years worth of these, one for each year. And, and it's almost calligraphed. I mean, this is just yeah. Robert's normal handwriting when he's uh, yeah. thoughtfully writing. Uh, so so uh, his, his letters to me uh, uh, when, 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 we, when we were courting, as they said, uh, were in that handwriting. It's his standard handwriting when he's not scribbling. And uh, it's it's uh, I've I've wondered whether we shouldn't make it a font, called uh-huh. a bank font. I love that. <laughs> did you keep the
0: Did you keep the letters? Oh yeah, of course.
2: I have all of
1: them. I mean, one of the re- one of the reasons that I do that is that um, sometimes when you when you you do research or you do administration, you spend an entire day, and at the end of the day, it's hard to figure out what you actually did. And actually taking 20 minutes at the end of the day to try and write down what it was that you accomplished is actually useful.
0: Robert has been at the front of just about every breaking wave in communications technology since the 90s. He worked on voice band modem tech at Bell Labs as the internet was coming into being. That technology was incorporated in more than a billion devices. If you ever heard a modem chirp and squeak, you can thank Robert for that memory. More recently, he was part of the team at at and Labs that developed the group theoretic framework for quantum error correction, providing the foundation for fault-tolerant quantum computation. So the fact that he faces the same existential question as everyone else, what the heck did I accomplish today actually, is kind of
3: striking. Do you find that that exercise is a different muscle than thinking about math or physics, or is it all kind of the same no, thing No, very much so.
1: Yeah. It's very
2: much the same. No, 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 well,
1: it's different, but it's, it's also, um, I mean, often the idea comes, I mean, you, you're thinking about this, and the idea comes from over there. You're Actually, when you're thinking about technical things, you're, you're often trying to make that happen you, there's, a, you know, there's, there's not a recipe for that happening uh, but when it does happen it's magical
2: yeah so, so we, we don't really know they, where yeah. ideas come from but uh, it's my experience also that they come from uh, freewheeling a little bit I mean having the particulars of the problem in mind but not trying to Focus too hard on them. I mean, trying to mentally step back a little and and leave a little bit of freedom so that things can jiggle, and uh, then suddenly something. I mean, most of these jigglings are not productive. I mean, it's it's uh, if 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 we knew a way of making them very productive, we would bottle it and sell it. And then, uh, but but uh, it's it's a, a mental habit of of, uh, and and so that's why sometimes I've had some of my best ideas come I mean well a standard thing is in the shower but actually I had some of them come when I was nursing a baby Uh. because you have to be kind of relaxed to make that happen to make it go naturally to not be all crisped up and so on and that's exactly the kind of, of situation when 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 things can go when thoughts can can flit from one place from one flower to another Thank yes you. what was
0: that idea
2: oh it was about uh, um, actually it was about constructing combining several structures that i had worked with in a very elegant way that then actually became something that would became part of the jpeg 2000 standard so it was it was to do with uh wavelet bases and 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 and, uh, and how to to structure them very nicely
3: well, thanks for f- thanks for all the JPEGs. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, it's JPEG two thousand standard JPEGs. Consumer uh, product JPEGs is an older standard, uh, which is still based on a discrete cosine transform, which is Fourier transforms. Uh, the JPEG two thousand, which is the one that's used for more advanced internet applications, so for uh, transmission of high quality sports broadcasts or, or or digital cinema, that's the one that's based. on.
0: Ingrid is best known for her work in image compression, specifically with wavelets, which are brief oscillations useful to signal processing. A wavelet bearing her name is used in the JPEG 2000 format that she just mentioned. She's a MacArthur Fellow, a recipient of the Wolf Prize in Mathematics, and a Baroness, a title granted by King Albert II of Belgium in 2012 for her achievements in physics.
3: Is there anything in that that applies to how an engineer should think, or how a mathematician should think, and are, are those two different things?
2: Well, I'll, I'll, I'll let Robert give his answer, but for me, it is all very related in that you try to put things together that maybe were not necessarily put together, and I think my background being in, in physics and then working on mathematical applications in electrical engineering gave me a different perspective, a different point of view, which I have found very useful. And so I encourage my students also to take as many classes, different classes, uh, as they have an appetite and time for, because I tell them that knowing things in different areas is what's really helpful to then find new solutions. Uh, what, what do
1: you think? Yeah, I... I um, look, um, I make my living at the, at the border between electrical engineering and mathematics. What does that mean? It means that I hang out with engineers like a duke. I hang out with people who have quantum computers. And I sort of make the calculation that if I listen to them long enough and carefully enough, then I'll discover something that I can do that they can't because I have this mathematical background. And um, that's what I tell my students too, that I want them to become bilingual. So I want them to be able to talk to the experimentalists and I want them to be able to talk to their own community. Yeah, I mean, I think that... that, um, Something that people don't often realize is that um, science research, engineering research, it's really community activity. And one of the things I think we both try and teach our students to do is to create communities, be productive parts of communities. But it's its, it's actually, I mean, it's, it's one of the advantages of... Um, working in different areas and talking to different people. Because, you know, you have a technical area that you work in. But when you, you think about problems that are a little bit outside of that area, then they illuminate your area in a different way. Mm-hmm. And that's worth something. I mean, this program that um, I started in the summer, the Data Plus program,
0: DataPlus is a program of the Rhodes Information Initiative at Duke, which Robert directs. It's a summer program for students who choose a small project team to work with for 10 weeks, solving problems with data, gathering data, analyzing it, visualizing it. The projects are so interesting and diverse. Here are just a few examples happening in summer 2023. Measuring urban heat islands and their causes in Durham mitigating the risks of emerging technologies, quantifying the carbon footprint of Duke Dining, landscape analysis of whole genome sequencing and newborn screening. There's something for everyone, and the experience is so meaningful that the program has become hugely popular at Duke and has been replicated in programs like Code Plus and Climate Plus.
1: And one of the things that we discover is that questions from the humanities tend to break the algorithms we have. And so that's a lot of fun. Mm. You know, we have climate projects. We have projects with the city of Durham, uh, which we've done for many years. And the magical thing about it is that it's a community of students that are discovering data science at the same time. You know, first and second year students sign up for the, uh, the experience. And they come out of the experience with this network of people who know stuff, who they can ask questions of. And I think that it gives them a whole support network for their time at Duke. And I think they might actually be more ambitious about the classes they sign up to take, because they have this support network in the background.
2: But uh, so, uh, but it also, and I think very importantly, teaches them that on a project, it's useful to have input from people who have a different background than your own, and that people who work on different projects but use similar tools may be useful resources. I mean, and that is something. Both these things are very important and useful to do to, uh, to, to have as an attitude for for their, the rest of their lives. Yeah, I mean, I
1: think that. You know, we, of course, students come to Duke, we teach them stuff, so they'll learn an algorithm, and then we'll test how well they know the algorithm, we'll give them a data set, and it's a clean data set, and the answers are perfectly unambiguous. When they work in the real world with a real data set, it is messy. It is incomplete. It takes you four weeks to get it in the form where you could even ask it a question. And, and you have to do this. So in a sense, it's an experience where you integrate all of the things you learn to do something of use for a client. I mean, I think that there. So there's two things that I think are educationally transformative. One is this idea of a project with a client Uh, And the other is being part of a team to work on the project. And I think that the combination of the two is really transformative.
3: I'm curious if uh, you guys uh, bounce problems off each other, if if you kind of work collaboratively collaboratively at all, or if you just try to keep your professional lives separate.
1: So this is a really... yes and no. So it's yes and no. In some sense, it's really interesting because... Most of the time, we need very few words to communicate. Like, um, uh, you know, if we both like a rug or a painting, then... um, We resonate. We just resonate. But with uh, technical projects, I think we found it very frustrating because we needed a lot more words...
2: Because okay. our skill sets are very different. Robert is basically an algebraist, and I'm an analyst. And the way I describe that, which is caricature in both sense, but is that analysts are are really the problems that we look at are like like uh, a, a metaphor is you have an overstuffed sock and you put in something else, and then you want to see where it starts bulging elsewhere. I mean, it's very mixed and and fluid and. and in, in algebra, you have these beautiful structures. I mean, it's like building something with... It's like um, a crystal. Uh, yeah, it's like crystal something with a zoom tool or, or one of these toys that really fit together and they're beautiful and they fit in only one way and, and so on. but you build these beautiful things. And then you might take a hammer to it and it might, something might break off, but the whole thing might be essentially the same or it completely breaks. But there's not a question of I hammer here and then something else start bulging there uh it's all or nothing. I mean, it's a very different mindset. It's much more on these beautiful crystalline structures which in an analysis is not really. Now that's both of these are complete caricatures, but the result is that because our s- skill sets in mathematics are so different and what Robert does, I find really hard and he claims to find that what I do is hard when it isn't. but uh, uh, so <laughs> so so the result is that we, do not, we? so one of us says something that's kind of obvious and the other one looks at this puzzled thing and the first one becomes irritated and says, well, what do you not understand about that? So, so we, we do very little of that because we get too, we get too frustrated. I mm-hmm. mean, it works in both directions, actually. The irritation.
1: Got, yes, <laughs> although we did write, I mean, we wrote one paper together and it's actually an interesting story because we were at Princeton and there was a graduate student had taken Ingrid's Wavelet class and had taken my course on um, uh, data communications and he came to us both and he said okay now I want a research project that involves you both and um, research project turned out to be lossless compression and um, it had an influence on the JPEG standard And um, we did get quite frustrated in the writing of the paper. (laughs) But in the end, it was actually quite a successful paper. It's got like 2,000 citations or something like that. But we haven't done it since. We haven't (laughs) done that since.
2: And and I mean, (laughs) but I've been thinking that I might try to to, to really get into some of what you're doing now on quantum computing again. Mm -hmm.
1: uh, Yeah, the thing is that yeah, so for example, we have completely different skill sets in, 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 in quantum stuff. So, I mean, Ingrid understands what hydrogen atoms really are. And for me, quantum computing starts when things become operators.
0: And, well, and Clifford Algebra.
1: And Clifford Algebra, yes. Yeah, and, I, and I think, <laughs> oh my God, Clifford
2: Algebra.
0: <laughs> I'll be honest, I had no idea what they were talking about at this point. But they understood each other very clearly, and they didn't need very many words to achieve it. They just resonate. It goes to show how valuable time spent with people outside of your own field of expertise can be. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to Rate of Change for more updates from Duke Engineering. And if you learned something from this podcast, please share it with others.